0: Here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Well, today we finish our series. We're going through bridges and barriers. At the end of the service, I'll preview the next series we're going into. But during this series, we've taken you through Paul's second missionary journey as he is removing barriers and building bridges so that he can share the gospel. Today's message is called Next Level. And life, if you think about it, it's going from one level, one level to the next. How many of you can remember preschool? Anybody here? We had one young person in the first service can remember. If you're below 18, you should remember preschool, right? I can remember bits and pieces of preschool. What about grade school? Raise your hand, alright? More hands going up. Middle school. That should be everybody that's at least in middle school or above. Alright? High school. Alright, now everybody. How many of you remember the first time you drove in a car? Your first date. Some of you may be still working on that. We can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. When you graduated high school, some of you went into college and others of you went straight into your career path. Those are next level. For those of you who have gotten married, that was the next level. For those of you who had kids, for those of you who bought your first house, then you started your career, then you look forward to retirement. How many of you are having a good time in retirement for those of you retired? All right. Good. Good. Some people in the first service, it was a mixed bag, 50-50. But what I want to encourage you is life is all about progression. It's all about progress. It's all about moving forward. So in today's passage, we're going to see Paul. And as we know, Paul is a missionary. And not everybody here is called to full-time missions as far as going from country to country, place to place. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the principles of Paul's missionary journeys. And we're going to make an application to your faith like what can we learn from his his faith and how he showed it through his miss, missions and ministry how can we apply it to the Monday through Friday the 9 to 5 for those of you who are retired how can we apply it so this message is called next level so let's look in verse 18 of acts 18 acts 18:18 18, 18. and again welcome to those online it says so Paul remained still a good while then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him, and he had his hair cut off at Sincrea, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a little longer time with them, he did not consent. But he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return to you again. God willing, and he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. So verse 22 concludes his second missionary journey. And verse 23 is going to be the bridge, and we'll pick back up on this next week. But look at verse 23. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia, Phrygia, in order, strengthening all the disciples. May God bless his word. So today, we're going to talk about how to take your faith to the next level. We're going to talk about how to go from where you're at to where God wants you to be. So I'm going to give you five next level principles. And each of these principles are going to be challenging. And kind of your homework is to work on at least one of these, okay? One out of five. In school, that was a 20%. So at least do that, right? So the first principle is this. Staying power. The first next level is to develop staying power. A holy stick to it Look back at verse 18. It says, so Paul remained there a good while. So we know that Paul spent about 18 months in Corinth. And for the average person, that's not a long time. But when you are an itinerant missionary going from place to place, when some of your journeys, after three weeks, they kick you out of the city, a year and a half is a pretty good time. So what we can learn from this is life is about developing relationships, and relationships take time. And a stick to itness is the ability to stay with something, even when you want to get up, give up. My high school principal, his name is Ed, He used to say to the, the class, and it's an old Southern saying, let's see if you know it, but he used to teach us a rolling stone, "Never what." Gathers any moss." How many of you heard that? How many of you, it's your first time you ain't from the South. OK, Just kidding. so here, here's what he was trying to teach us is like, listen, you're going to have a tendency as a young teenager, young adult to go from one place to another. Now, are there times where God sends you? Yes. And you've got to respond. But other times it, it's suffering from what I call spiritual ADD. Does everyone know what ADD is? Attention deficit disorder. Some of us are that way spiritually. God's doing something. He's called us in bright light. We're over here chasing and God's like, I told you to stay with that, but you're already to the next thing. So what are some encouragement for those of us who struggle with spiritual ADD? How can we develop a holy stick to itness? Well, a few things to think about the benefits of staying power. One thing is relationships. Relationships take time. So your relationships need time to develop and mature. I I find it quite interesting with people at the church. They come and visit a Sunday or two, and they say, well, I haven't really gotten to know anyone yet. And it's like, well, you've been here two weeks. Relationships take T-I-M-E. It takes time to develop and mature. Another benefit of staying power is community. It's good when you stick with something or a place for a long period of time, because what happens, you develop roots in that community. And over time, you begin to see impact of that. This past week, I got a, a pretty interesting Facebook message. And it was from a lady. I had no idea who she was. You ever had those messages? And I'm like, Lori, you might want to look at this. I don't know who this person is. Some lady reaching out. She had no profile picture. I had no idea. And the message was basically like this. I need you to reach out to my husband before he signs the divorce papers. And I'm like... And I'm like, ma'am, you'll have to forgive me, but I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Please, uh, she had dropped her last name because, you know, going through a divorce. And it was someone from 20 years ago at Biltmore Baptist Church that we were in the college ministry. And she's like, we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. Is this divorce God's will or not? So I've called the, the the gentleman I haven't heard back, but story to be continued. But the point of that is the longer you're with something, the more relationships you develop. And the more relationships you develop, the greater impact you can have with the gospel. And another aspect of staying power is ministry. True ministry takes time. And when you look at Jesus, the principles of discipleship, this is on your listening guide, discipleship principle number one, is that more time with fewer people yields greater results. More time with fewer people yields greater results. Now think about this. If you were the the son of God and your mission was to save the world, how many of you would like go big scale? You would like try to reach thousands, millions, hundreds of thousands? Most of us would, right? Jesus, on the other hand, spent the bulk of his time with how many men? Twelve guys, right? He knew the power of time over to- a course of time in a few people, and the multiplication is exponential. So it's time for you to invest in those relationships around you. Over the past five years, I don't know about you, but I've been to more funerals than ever in my lifetime. How I many of you would say the same? It just seems like people are with COVID, with life, with issues. And here's something I've never heard over the past five years. I've never heard anyone on their deathbed or their, their, their family saying, you know, I wish I would have spent more time in the office. I wish I would have made more money. I wish I would have had a larger house. I've never heard that. Some of you may have. I've never heard it. But what you possibly may hear from a lot of people that are able to talk to you is that, you know what? I wish I would invest in things that are more eternal because life here is short. Even if you live to be 100, that's short. And only what you do for Christ will last for eternity. So if you want your faith to go to next level, someone say next level. You have to take the next step of faith. Take that next step of faith as you faithfully follow Jesus daily. All right. Next level, number two, keep connected. Know your audience and speak their language. Look at the last part of verse 18 in your Bible passage. It says, Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. And Paul does something bizarre. Notice what he did. He had his hair cut off at Synchria, for he had taken a vow. Now, why in the world would Paul have his head cut off, right? Some of us may have taken the vow. We have less hair, right? Not talking about that. What, what was this vow? This was the Nazarite vow. And if you, if you want to go back and look at it, it's in Numbers chapter 6. And the Nazarite vow, gentlemen, actually women could take it too if you read number 6, was basically for an extended period of time, you would grow out your hair and often your beard. I see some partial Nazarites going out here, right? Beards growing. Grow out your hair, grow out your Beard. And basically for an extended period of time, this long hair, this long beard beard represented I'm separated to God. And the reason for that is I'm praying for God's blessings, I'm praying for his protection, but I want people to see I'm dedicated to God. It was a physical symbol of separation. But after that period of time, you would be able to cut it off and you would take your hair after you had it shaved in Jerusalem to the temple and they would burn it with fire. Kind of cool, huh, guys? All the men are like, yeah. But here, here, here was, here's what you do in that time of separation. Guys, you couldn't go to the barber shop. We mentioned that. You couldn't go to the wine shop. No drinking wine or eating raisin bran. No anything with grapes. You couldn't do it. And get this, even if your own father or mother died, you couldn't get near their body. And people would be like, hey, it's your dad's funeral. Why aren't you right there? And he would be like, I'm a Nazarite. I'm separated to God. So here's the big question I want you to think about. Why did Paul take an Old Testament vow? He's the guy about grace, right? You're under the law, you're under grace and under the law. So why is he doing something prescribed in the Old Testament? And the answer is not because he had to, but he was basically telling the, the Jewish audience, listen, I have not given up my Jewishness. I don't have to do this. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. But there are still benefits that you can draw from the Old Testament principles. There's applications you can draw. And the application is this that there are times of separation that you need to get apart and pray sometimes fast so that you can get focused on God. So here's the application for you. You need to take time daily to spend time with God, to separate yourself from the world. You need to spend time weekly, which by the way, all of you who are in church, give yourselves a hand. That's what you're doing right now. And you need to spend time annually just to get away. I, I had a church member that uh, is on one of the volunteer teams and she said, Timothy, I'm not going to be there Sunday because I'm taking a spiritual retreat. And this is a lady that works full time, volunteers at the church, and she's taking one of her annual getaways. So I would encourage you, if you can, get away even for a day, even even for a few hours if you don't have a day. I remember hearing about, I believe it was John Stott in England. He was a busy pastor But once a month, this sounds really cool, he would pack a picnic basket. Think about the old picnic baskets. He would fold a blanket. He would go to a park. And as he was laying out in the sun, he would lay the blanket out, picnic basket, and it was like him and God having a picnic. And that was his monthly time of getting recharged and renewed. So keep connected. Know your audience. Learn to speak their language. So look at your discipleship principle under point 2. To make the greatest possible impact for the gospel, you must stay connected to both God and others. So here's the thing. Paul stayed connected to his Jewish audience. Even though he wasn't under law, he was under grace, he stayed connected because, listen, he wanted to reach his audience. So here's a practical application before we go to the next level principle. Let's say you're in Asheville. Let's say you're in Hendersonville. Let's say you're in Waynesville and you, you come across someone that's new age, right? They believe that God's in everything. God's in the tree. God's in the monkey. God's a pantheist, right? And how do you connect with them? Because they believe in God, but they believe God's in everything, right? Here's how you connect. You find common ground. Maybe they're against world hunger, right? Right? Aren't Christians against poverty? Aren't we here to help feed the poor, right? Jesus was all about the poor. So you find common ground. You get the yes. And as you find common ground, you ask the question, can I tell you a little more about my faith? We agree on this. Can I tell you something that may be a little challenging? Because here's the thing. Before you try to change someone's mind, you've got to connect with their heart. Because people will forget what you say, but they will not forget how you made them feel. So connect with their heart. So that way you can connect with their mind and tell them about Jesus. Amen. So if you want to go to the next level in your faith, you have to take the next step. As you faithfully follow Jesus daily. All right, let's throw the principle number three on here. Next level. Stay focused. Know your calling and stick with it. So in verses 19 through 21, it says he came to Ephesus. And left them there. Talking about Priscilla and Aquila. But he entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Notice what happens in verse 20. And when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent. But he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this feast in Jerusalem. And I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So Paul, we're going to find out in a moment why he stayed focused. How many of you have heard of George Mueller? Famous guy, ran an orphanage, uh, loved on the kids. Anyways, George Mueller had five of his closest friends who weren't Christian. Five friends that he's like, guys, why can't you just see Jesus is the way? Jesus is the truth. And they said, we just don't get it. So he committed to pray for his friends continuously. After a few months, friend number one got saved. He was so excited. But he didn't see a lot of fruit after a few years. Ten years later, the next two friends accepted Christ. Ten years later. He kept praying, he kept praying. Finally, after decades, friend four accepts Christ. So fast forward 52 years before, after he started praying, George Mueller goes to heaven. And it's like, what happened to friend number five, right? Did God not answer his prayer? Well, you would think that, but shortly after George Mueller's funeral, within a few months, his friend, friend number five got saved. See, God answers things in his own timing, but George Mueller was focused So let's talk a little bit about Ephesus. It was Asia Minor's most prominent city. It had 100 to 200,000 residents. It had a class of newly rich people. There was a class of a large Jewish community there. And what's interesting is they're asking Paul to stay. Paul, please just stay with us. Now what is the, what is the interesting tension about that? In most of Paul's cities, what do they tell Paul to do? They tell him to leave, right? This is one of the few. Berea is probably the only other exception I can think of. Um, they like, Paul, listen, we like this is Jewish people that haven't yet received Christ. We like what you're saying. Keep staying. But here's the thing. God had Paul to go to Jerusalem. Paul had to stay focused because he was on a mission. He was on a mission to go to Jerusalem, and he had to stay focused. He couldn't get off course. So he went up to Jerusalem, we find in verse 22, And by the way, the the saying where it says he went up and then he went back down, you're like, what is that talking about? This This is basically biblical talk. Anyone who goes to Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem, even from north, south, east or west. When you go to Jerusalem, it's going up. And when you leave Jerusalem, it's called what, Adam? You're going down. And you're like, why is that? It's not directionally accurate sometimes. Well, it's because Jerusalem is the city of God. It's the centerpiece of God's redemptive work. So when you go to Jerusalem, you always go up. And when you leave Jerusalem, you always go down. Just a little side note there. So Paul took a trip of a couple hundred miles to Jerusalem to fill this vow of Nazarite. And what's interesting is they're like, Paul, please stay. And he said, no, but I want to come back if it's what? The Lord's will. And here's the phrase, the Lord's will. You ever heard anyone say God willing, Lord willing? And you're like, what is that? My grandfather used to say that. This is not religious talk. This is basically saying God has my complete blessing. Not that he needs my blessing, but I'm completely open to him changing my plans. I'm planning to do this. But if God wants something different, differently, may God's will be done. That's why we say God's will, because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. We may not be here tomorrow. Right. So always remember, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But there's a practical thing here. Has anybody studied emotional intelligence in the the room? If you worked on a job, business, they're they're big on emotional intelligence. There's a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And basically it's the the idea of how to connect with people emotionally. And one tip that we can learn from Paul is learn how to say no nicely. Has anybody ever pressured you to make a decision and you had to say no but didn't know how to say no? Maybe they wanted you to do something and you knew you couldn't. Look at how Paul says, no, I can't, but if it's God's will, I would like to return. You want to hear the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to said, Paul went on his way, but get this, the church, he would eventually return to Ephesus and spend up to three years there, two to three years in Ephesus. So here's the cool thing. God's no now is not always God's no later. So the church is like, please, please stay, Paul. No. But then It's yes later. So here's the thing. If you are asking God for something. Now the disclaimer. This does not apply to sin issues. A sin is always a sin. God should I leave my spouse for this younger or whatever. No. The answer is always no. All right. So just know that. If it's a sin issue it's always no. But if it's a directional issue. God should I start this business. God should I do this. Sometimes God will say no now. But later it'll be yes. And the reason why he says no now is maybe you're not ready. Maybe the circumstances aren't ready. And you know what? In God's timing, his no now becomes his yes later. And that's why in Matthew, I believe it's 7-7, Jesus says, ask and what? It'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. The the idea is keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. Because God's no now is not always God's no forever. So remember that. So speaking of focus, before we go to the next principle, every year I pray that God would give me a theme for my life, my family, and the ministry here. And usually it's like, take this city. It's like, let's go, you know. And this year it was different. This year it was one word. It was focus. I felt in my spirit, focus. Because here's the reason why, if I can tell you a little bit about myself, for those of you who don't know me, I am high-energy extrovert. And if I'm around people, I get distracted very easily. Anybody else like that? So they have to lock me up in a cage sometime to get these sermons done because, you know, people in the office, hey, how you doing? Hey, and it's like, what did you get done today? Well, I talked to everyone that came in. You know, that's how my personality is. So I have to learn to focus because I get distracted. So if that bothers you, I'm sorry. It's just how God wired my personality and I'm working on it. So here's the thing with the church. Have you ever seen a church that does so many good things they're not really focused on anything? Like you open up the church bulletin and there's like 50 pages. It's like almost like you ever ate at the cheesecake factory and you don't know what to pick. It's so frustrating. It's like man, just give me four good choice. I don't. I mean, I just usually here's my secret. It's like whatever you guys, I say chef special, order me whatever on the menu. I don't even think about it. I literally do that. So here's what we've done at the church. We've taken all the good things we could do. And we focused on one big idea. And the big idea is this year in 2022, we want to make healthy, multiplying disciples. And for those of you who are detail-oriented, you're like, Timothy, that sounds good. But how do you know if you do that? What does that look like? It's a good question. So we developed SMART goals. And for those of you who are in HR, you could tell me what SMART means. But it means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Is that right, Frank? All right. I got credit with my HR over here. Okay. So here's the thing. It's easy for a church to say we're going to reach people for Christ. But how do you know if you did that or not? How do you measure that? So what we did is we took measurable. So the first objective is this year we want to strive for 400 active worshipers. And this includes online. And you're like, well, Timothy, numbers, 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 not really mad. I mean, I mean, if you're about numbers, that's that's an issue. Well, it depends on your motive. If your numbers are there just to build yourself up, that's the wrong motive. But if your number is there to reach people for the Great Commission, that's a godly num- motive, because every number counts, every person counts, every person matters to God. And by the way, when we read through the Book of Acts, tell me if I'm wrong, but didn't they count three thousand people getting saved, two more thousand people getting saved, and didn't God write a book through Moses called the Book of Numbers? So I love for the person to say, "Oh, that's that's on spiritual count." Well, not according to the Bible. If you read the Bible, you're going to see people counting because every person counts. Every person matters to God. So right now, we're probably at 300 worshipers, if you include online. So that would mean we'd reach an additional 100 people as we get the gospel out. All right, objective two, and we're talking about focus, what we're focused on this year, is 20 20 dynamic missional Arden groups. And you're like, what is a missional Arden group? Well, it's like a small group that's on mission. And the goal is right now we probably have 14, 15 groups going. By the end of the year, we want to have at least 20. And you're like, what is a missional group? Well, it's not just a Bible study, but it's a Bible study with a purpose. It's us reaching out into the communities. It's us getting the gospel out. So by the end of the year, we're going to need to add a five or six more. And the reason why, if you've got 400 people worshiping, they've got to go to a group, right? Because if they're not in a group, they're not being discipled as they should. So that's our discipleship focus. All right. And the next objective is 200 people in Arden serve teams. And you're like, that's a lot of people serving. I know it is. But here's the reason why we want people serving. If you're not serving, you're swerving. And God has made us all with a gift to build up the body. And I mentioned this a few months back, but I remember I asked the audience for those of you here. How many of you have ever washed or waxed the rental car? And like nobody. Has anybody ever done that. Maybe one person, I nobody, okay. Anyone online ever done that? And the reason why you don't wash or rack a rental car is why you don't own it. Right? So here's what serving does it gives you ownership. This is not just your church, this is my church. And whenever I invest my time and talent, my heart's involved in something. So we're encouraging all of you, all everyone that calls Arden home. To find a serve team, find a group that you can serve. And finally, the fourth objective, you see how focused we're going to be, is a thousand gospel conversations. This is our missional focus. And I've been getting emails and reports and people are saying, uh, you know, is this a gospel conversation? If I mention the name of Jesus or whatever it may be, and I'm like, yeah, that's a start. Is it a gospel conversation if I invite someone to church? No, but that's a start. A gospel conversation is where you build common ground and you lead towards a goal, and the goal is to find out where they're at with Jesus. Some people will say, I have been saved, and you had a gospel conversation, and it's good. Some will say, No, tell me more. So, the goal of a gospel conversation is to lead people toward either finding out they've made a decision to follow Christ or leading them into a decision. So, we have two Wednesday nights coming up in March, and that's in your listening guide. We're going to have training. Some of you are like, I don't know how to do it, and that's okay. That's why we're going to have training. So look at those Wednesday nights. I believe it's March the 9th and 16th, if I'm remembering correctly. We're going to have an hour and a half sessions on how to share your faith. So here's the thing. If you stick to your calling, this is what we feel called as a church, that we want to be involved in worship, that we want to be involved in small group community, that we want to serve, that we want to share our faith. These four things, it helps you. If you can stick to your calling, it will help you not to fall. It will help you to stay focused. Paul's like... Listen, people at Ephesus, I love you, but I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to focus. So here's the principle I want you guys to draw, even practically. You're going to have to learn to say no to some really good opportunities and to some really good people. Because if you say yes to every good thing, you're going to have to say no to some great things over here. So it's the power of, someone say, focus. Anybody else struggle with spiritual ADD like me sometimes? All right, good, I'm not... And this is the prescription. It's no pill you swallow. It's find a purpose. Find focus. All right. So if you want your faith to go to the next level, you've got to take the next step of faith as you faithfully follow Jesus. All right. Someone say next level. One number four. Let's throw that up. Return home. The power of community. Look at verse 22. Such a powerful verse. And when he had landed at Caesarea... And had gone up, when you go up, that means he went to where? Jerusalem, good job. And then he greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. Now what's significant about Antioch, someone tell me. Why is Antioch so important to Paul? It's his home church, right? So here's what's so humorous to me. I have so many family, good friends, and they'll say something like, you know, I don't really need a church, I'm part of the Capital C Church. And that's almost like saying, you know, I'm a professional football player. Well, who's your team? uh, I play, you know, what is the quarterback? uh, What is that chair quarterback? What do they call that armchair quarterback? Yeah, it's like you watch on TV, but does that make you part of the team? So here's the thing. When you're part of a church, the Bible calls us a body. You know, I haven't met anyone yet, a husband and wife, that has all the gifts of the spirit within themselves. So if someone say we're a church, so you're saying that you have all the gifts mentioned in Scripture just among the two of you? <laughs> it's like, And the other aspect is the one and of the Bible. How are you going to do the one and others of the Bible just when you and your spouse, your family? It takes a church to fulfill the one and others. And then you read the New Testament. You have the meeting of homes. That's part of it. But they also met in a large group. They met in the temple. So you don't have a New Testament Christianity that doesn't have a gathering together of believers. In fact, the author of Hebrews said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some are in the habit of doing. And what the author of Hebrews mentions is that going to church is like a habit, and it's easy to fall out of the habit. So if you have family or friends that during COVID, they got out of the habit, politely encourage them to get back into the habit, because it's easy to form. So think about Paul's second missionary journey. He was gone for about three years. And all of a sudden, he comes home to Antioch. Can you imagine all the believers that are going to encourage him? All, all the people that said, Paul, welcome home. So this is my invitation to you. If you don't have a home church, if you're not a member of a church, we want to say, welcome home. This is a place where you can be connected. Because there is no such thing as a spiritual orphan in the body of Christ. Every member needs to be part of a family, a local family, a local body. So that's my shameless plug on Starting Point. This Wednesday, we have our membership class at 6 o'clock. If you're not a member, come. Let us know you're coming so we can feed you because Amy's going to order some good food this week. So just FYI, shameless plug. So return home. If you want to go to the next level, you have to take the next step of faith as you faithfully follow Jesus. All right, someone say next level. Number five, and we close with this. Keep building. Disciples are developed daily, not in a day. So notice verse 23. This is Luke. Paul's finished his second missionary journey. He's previewing the third. What happened? After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So how many of you realize that building things take time, right? Right construction projects take time. How many of you have ever been frustrated building a new house before? All of you are like, the stress is already rising. What about a life? I'm going to give you some examples to, to kind of show you that progress takes time. So Winston Churchill, you know about him now through history, but did you know that when he was growing up, his father thought that he was so dull that he would be incapable of earning a living in England. He's like, I don't, son, I don't think you can get a job when you grow up. I just, you don't have the, the intelligence. That's Winston Churchill, all right? G.K. Chesterton, the English writer, look at this. Even though G.K. was a phenomenal writer, he could not read until he was eight years old. So if you've gotten a bad report about your child or grandchild, they got some kind of learning disability, think about G.K.'s story. He couldn't read until he was eight. And he became a famous writer. That's encouraging someone. Thomas Edison, you know about his inventions, but did you know his first teacher thought that he was not smart at all? And his father convinced him that he was stupid. That's Thomas Edison's dad. All right, I saved the best for last. Albert Einstein. Did you know that his father and his mother, they both feel that that he was slow at learning. They thought he was dull. He performed so badly in all of his high school courses except math, Listen listen to this. He had a teacher that encouraged him to drop out of school, Albert Einstein. And I got a postscript. Can't tell you who it is, but someone came up to me after the first service. I can't use their name, but they said, Timothy, I had a 1.9 GPA in high school. And guess what? I have my doctorate degree. (laughs) So here's the thing. Don't ever discount anyone. Don't ever discredit. So what you see, Paul, is he goes back. He keeps going back to all these places to develop disciples. Why would he do that? Because the disciples are developed daily, but not in a day. You've got to spend more time with fewer people to get greater results. All right, if you look at your listening guy, I don't have time to go into all the depth, but, you know, it brings up well, what is discipleship? Timothy, you talk about discipleship, and I've heard the word, but, like, what does that look like? Well, the early church in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, it gives us what I call holy habits. And these are habits. It's easy to get in a habit. It's easy to get out of a habit. These are habits that you develop. The first one is daily Bible reading. This is something I get on my kids all the time. As they're getting ready to go to school, I'll be like, did you read your Bible today? It's tough being a preacher's kid. I'm telling telling you, some of you are like, yeah, I could see that. Did you read your Bible? No, dad. It's not legalism. But listen, would you go a day without food? Well, no. Why would you go a day without God's word? So much better than food. So Bible study, get in the habit, prayer, talking with God. Now, some of you may be so busy. You're like, I just don't have time. I understand, but it's about time management. It's about prior So prioritize God, put him first and center. So take the first five minutes of each day. If all you got is five minutes, read a verse and pray Just start there. And what will happen is it will wet your appetite for more. It will, you will develop a hunger for more. The third holy habit is community. A lot of you are good at Bible study and prayer, but you're out of community. And what we have learned at Arden and what it's been right there in Scripture is that we learn better in circles than in rows. In other words, this is great for you to be in this setting and we encourage you, but that's step one. Step two is get in community. Go to a place where people can learn your name and get to know you. Many people walk away from a church and they say, well, no one really connected with me i didn't get to and i was like you're looking for community but in the wrong place you're looking for community in the big group but community can be found in the small group so realize that a lot of people like, i'm not coming back to that church well the reason why we didn't get to know you is because you didn't go to a small group so develop that holy habit four is ministry using your spiritual gifts to build up the body of christ did you know that if you're a christian you have at least one spiritual gift So I'm looking at an audience of gifted people. Look at the person next to you and say you're gifted. You are so gifted. And the question is, it's not whether you're gifted, it's what are you doing with your gift? God has given you a spiritual gift for a spiritual purpose, and that's to build up the body of Christ. Holy habit number five is outreach, sharing the good news with Jesus to those who don't yet know him. So I want to encourage you to think about that. All right, How many people from Tennessee in here? Now we got a few any Tennessee fans. All right. This is the Tennessee story. There was a a family that the father never they lived in Tennessee. They never went to church. The dad the, the kids went to church but the dad just like I'm not going to go. And he would just say the church is all about my money, right? The church is full of hypocrites. He was that dad, I don't want to go. So, fast forward, he's getting older and he eventually gets cancer, unfortunately. And the church that tried to drop by, that tried to pray with him, that the pastor tried to share Christ, he's like, I don't want it, Pastor. You're only after my money. He's one of those guys. So, what happened is, as he got cancer, the church would show up at the hospital. Members would bring flowers and cards and pray with him. And that began to soften his heart. A few weeks and months later, as he began to go downhill, he looked at his son. He said, Son, I was wrong about the church. He's like, what do you mean, dad? Oh, I thought the church was only about my money. But man, they've reached out to me. They've given us meals. They've prayed with me. Flowers at the hospital. I was wrong. And that son was able to lead his dad to Christ before he died. And you just never know. Like As you think about taking your faith to the next level, you never know what faithfulness over a long period of time will do. So let's throw the big idea on the screen. We're going to summarize this. If you want to go to the next level in your faith, you've got to do what? Take the next step. Yeah, I'll do it in here over here. If you want to go to the next level of faith, you got to do what? All right, good. As you faithfully follow Jesus daily. So here's the thing, like life is about one step at a time. And we talked about five. That may seem overwhelming, but take one step. You're like, all right, I'm in worship. All of you are in worship. So maybe the next step, I'm going to get in a community group. All right, I'm already in a community group. Maybe the next step is serving. You know, think about the next step. You may not can take five steps like some of your Olympic jumpers. You could do five at one time. Most of us, it's just the next step and the next step. All right. Three practical take homes. For those of us who struggle with focus, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm sure there's others. Focus your time. More time with fewer people yields greater results. Jesus spent the bulk of his ministry with three men. All right more time with fewer people. So focus. So learn to say no nicely. And this is hard for me. My wife can testify. I'm saying no more than I've ever said before. And the reason why God told me to do focus. So someone comes to me, pastor, we want to start an underwater basket weaving ministry. That's great, but that's not part of the four objectives. So you can go do it, but I'm not going to focus my time on it. Amen, Adam. All right. The next step, connect with your audience. Why in the world did Paul cut off his hair and take a Nazarite vow? Not because he had to, but he wanted to connect with his Jewish audience. Know your audience and stay connected. People will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them. All right, and finally, find home. There was no such thing as a spiritual orphan in the body of Christ. So if you don't have a home, maybe you're visiting here, maybe you're watching online. We just want to say come home and then welcome home because... This is a family. Now, we're not a perfect family. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find one this side of eternity. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And we are people who are following Jesus and we're becoming more like him each and every day as we take the next step and he takes us to the next level. Let us pray. Father, you are beautiful and glorious. You are creator of heaven and earth. God, you made everything that the visible eye sees and the things that we cannot see. And God, I thank you that we look at Paul's second missionary journey as it closes, and we see that he was faithful. We see that he was persistent. We see that he had a holy stick to itness, and as a result, you kept taking him from one level of glory to the next. You kept using him in mighty ways. And God, we may not can relate to a itinerant missionary, but what we can relate to is the faith journey. So, with no one looking around, how many of you would say? Timothy, I need to take a step. I just need to take a step. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip it up. I need to take the next step. Hands going up online. Direct messages. If you need to take the next step, just tell God what that is. And then ask him to forgive you where you've not been faithful in whatever that next step is. Maybe you've not shared your faith and God has told you to. And Say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. The gospel has power to forgive and cleanse and give you power to take the next step. As the believers continue to pray, whether here or online, there may be someone that would say my next step is praying to receive Christ. Timothy, I I know about the Bible. I I do believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. I've just never received it. And friends, I want to encourage you. God has only one eternal son. The rest of us are adopted into the family. And if you've never made a personal decision to invite Jesus into your life, There's no magic in your words. It's you taking that next step of faith. And that next step of faith is calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So right where you're at, whether here or online, if you need to take that next step to receive Christ, say this prayer. Say, Dear God, I do believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again victoriously. And dear God, I'm taking the next step. I'm going to take the step of faith to believe in you. I'm going to believe in you what, what your word says is true. And I'm taking that next step of faith to follow you from this day forward and throughout eternity. So God, forgive me of all my sins. I turn from them and I turn to Christ. And I take that next step to follow you. And all God's children said, Amen. Thank you.